When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's your girl Jessie Mae. This is the Sharp Tongue Podcast, Grief Survival Guide mini-series, episode four. And I am excited that you're still with us, even though a lot of us aren't, because they're dead, and that's why we're here. Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast and let them know to follow, support, share, subscribe, and know that they can get through their grief process with Jesse Mae Peluso. I might be stoned. I might be sober. We don't know. It depends on the day. It depends on the grief day. Also, don't forget to go over to my YouTube page. Check out the video for this episode. YouTube.com. That's a child screaming in the background. YouTube.com forward slash Jesse Mae Peluso. This is a very special grief miniseries episode. This is the Grief Survival Guide episode five. We've gone through so many different episodes, denial, day drinking, sadness and shopping, genius grief. Well, this is the insatiable episode talking about how no matter what you shove in your hole, your heart or your soul, you just don't feel full. And this is a way for you to realize those emotions and process them with me. So without further ado, please enjoy episode five of the grief mini-series survival guide. Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey everybody. Check out our cute little new situation here. Isn't this fun? How's everybody doing? Thank you for listening another week. This is a Grief Survival Guide mini-series, episode five, I believe we're on, and we've gone through a lot so far. We've, we've gone through a lot. We've gone through me experiencing denial and day drinking, which hasn't gone away. We've experienced sadness and shopping, which is here to stay. I'm not a rapper, but I could be a grief rapper. I should be. And we've also experienced genius grief with a guest, Max Lugavere. Lugavere. I'm going to call him Lugavere for life. And now we're just going to kind of go over where I've been since the beginning of, uh, I was going to say September, uh, where I've been since the beginning of time, where I've been since the beginning of December, because I haven't talked to you guys personally since before Christmas. So a lot has happened. You know, we discussed me being an orphan going through my mom's house after she passed and, you know, um, me reliving some of her favorite things and sort of how to navigate getting through grief with your five senses, touch, smell, sight, sound, and taste, sort of navigating the emotions through those senses in a way to heal and go through the process a little bit more. How do I feel right now? You know, It's been strange. I feel like being in my sister's house gives me a reprieve from the grief because there's so much going on with the kids and her and her husband and my sister and I have our routine. You know, we're working out every day and we're drinking every night, (laughs) staying true. But it also is a little, it's a reprieve, but it's also a distraction. And I don't always think distractions from your emotion are the healthiest approach. You guys know I like to dive deep into the truth but sometimes you need to break from the truth so there's got to be a fine balance there somewhere in between being in it 
and sort of saving yourself from it because we all need a break. You know, it's like swimming in the ocean. You can't sustain that forever. You got to come up for air a little bit. So I've had to sort of figure out the balance of being in it and experience it and coming up for fucking air. You got to come up for fucking air when you're going through grief and you have to know when you're avoiding grief and it's a tough, tough thing to decipher is what I've decided because I am a very honest person and I, I don't shy away from the more difficult emotions that arise in life through difficulty and trauma and experiencing death and going through that. But in the same breath, I'm a human and I need a fucking break. So how do I feel? I guess I've felt pretty empty lately and also very hungry and not just for food. I'm, I am very fucking hungry for food and I don't have like a loose sweater because I've gained 200 pounds. I wish I'm a skinny bitch. You guys know if you know me and you've known me for a while, I poop nine times a day. There, there's no meat staying on these bones. I am a bean pole. I was born a bean pole and I will die a bean pole from my lips to God's ears. God bless. I am not complaining, simply stating that, yes, I have been consuming food and drink and weed. I feel like a, a fucking apostle. I feel like, you know, the second coming of Christ. I am drinking the blood of Christ and I am smoking the grass of mother nature. I'm smoking, you know, nature's medicine and it's helping. It truly is. But I do feel insatiable and insatiated, not satiated, insatiated. I have to check if this is a word because Nancy is over my shoulder. I can fucking feel her right here and I just have to see if insatiated is a word because she will be very, very, very upset. Let's see. How do you spell say and say she aided? Let's see. It is a word. God bless. Thank the Lord. She will be so happy to know that. That's how I feel. I feel like I can't be satisfied. I feel like no matter what I put into my body, it, it can't fill that hole you know, not that hole. That hole hasn't been filled since before quarantine, the emotional hole. And I think when, for me being in this point right now where nothing is making me feel full, to me, that's a sign that I need to go out. I need to get out of the environment I'm in. I have to shake shit up. When you start to not be able to see some change, and not that I'm not evolving every day, but when you start to not witness an evolution based off of what you are consuming, whether it be TV shows or food or conversation, if you don't see any sort of change, you have to change your environment. That's what I believe. And what you consume is so vital to your healing process. It is so vital. And consumption isn't only a nutritionally based conversation you consume tv shows and books and conversations and people's energy and you know your daily routine your consumption is a is a wide spectrum of occurrences throughout your day and for me i've had to really take inventory on what i'm consuming and how i'm consuming and what it's doing to me and how it's affecting or debilitating my ability to heal through this and i'm really painfully self-aware about my personality and how I process things. And so that can make it harder to process things because I'm aware of what's going on. So sometimes I can't even process it because I'm so aware of it. So there's been a lot that I've had to navigate through and take a little bit of inventory about. And, and I've decided that I can't, I, I can't become full. That's one thing that I've noticed. I, no matter what I eat, and drink, it doesn't make me feel any fucking better. And I think that there's truth in that. You know, it's just the reality is that you can't eat, drink, or do anything to manage the pain of grief. You, you, the only thing you can do is feel it. So I think I've been trying to medicate a little bit through avoidance tactics and through eating and through having some tequilas at night and some blunts. I think I've been utilizing some 
vices and, you know, things that we enjoy to numb the pain. And it's really basic, but damn, uh, I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And it's not every single day, but sometimes if you are in an environment where you can't fully be present in your emotions, I think numbing your pain is a natural go-to. It's a natural, um, it's a natural, you take a step towards that naturally when you can't, when you can't change your environment. I, I think your environment is really crucial for your healing process. And so because I am in a little bit of a chaotic environment at my sister's house, and it's a beautiful chaos, like I've said before, it, it's family chaos. And that's something that I miss in LA. I'm not complaining. I'm really grateful to be in this chaotic state. It's great having toddlers screaming, mom, 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 mom at 5 a.m. You know, it's a be- it's beautiful. So I just think that the way I am in my personality, I'm clashing with my environment and it's inhibiting my ability to fully be present in my emotions. And I think that's something for you guys to think about too. What are you doing to numb your emotions? We all do it. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's right or wrong. I'm saying to have some self-awareness and take stock of what you're doing and notice the moves you're making and how they're making you feel and how they're making you react to other people. I've been very reactive and edgy and kind of mean and not mean like outright like I'm punching bitches, but in my mind I think about it and that's not, I don't think that way. You know, what's in your mind is what you put into your grind and I, I like to have a healthy mind and so I felt myself feeling jealous of people who have moms. <laughs> That's not right. It's not that bitch's fault. You know, my sister and I went to Marshall's a couple times and walking in, you'll always see a mother-daughter pair. That's Marshall's caters towards that. Marshall's markets towards moms and daughters coming to shop at their store. And the couple times my sister and I went, I find my, I found myself looking at a mother and daughter pair like, why... Why is she still here? Why does this bitch get to walk around? I have found myself talking about people within my own family with their parents, their mother's still alive, being like, why is she still here and my mom's not? And I've had to check myself, but also be kind to myself because that's a real emotion. And while emotions are not facts, they're just feelings, and feelings are fleeting, doesn't mean that I can't at least acknowledge it and honor it. Okay, fine. I'm jealous. Doesn't mean I'm a jealous person. It's just an emotion I'm feeling that's processing through my body to help me process this grief. But I have been jealous of motherfuckers. And then I've also, on the flip, have felt nothing about other people's pain. When I've heard stories of other people's strife and struggle, there's been instances that is so negating who I am to the core. I have, there's been instances where I have not given a fuck about whoever died. Oh, they, okay. So-and-so died. Well, sorry. And I don't think, again, there's nothing right or wrong about it. It just is. And I think that sort of happens because it is such a grueling process to go through losing a loved one. And especially because my mom and I were so close. I think that the energy it takes to experience those emotions leaves you with not a lot of energy at the end of the day to give a fuck about anybody else's going ons. And it doesn't mean that I am an apathetic person. I am not. I, my mother taught me compassion. My mother, you know, they taught us empathy, even though those are things I feel like are also innate to your person when you're, when your soul is conceived, whenever that is. I also think that as a parent helping teach those sort of approaches to life and and characteristics is vital as well for the growth. I have been an empathetic person and a sympathetic person and I feel compassion, but this is the first time in my life I've been jealous of other people with their moms and also having given a shit about other people's strife. That's so not me. And so the only conclusion I can really draw from this is that I'm evolving into another person. Not that I'm going to be like this bitch that's just hating on moms and not giving a fuck if you fall into a pothole in a major city. I'm going to be sad. But I'm shedding things from my previous being, who I was with my mom and dad being alive, to this woman. And I think this is just like literal growing pains. In between, I'm kind of in a 
emotional purgatory, if you will, becoming who I'm going to be beyond my parents physically being here with me. And it's fucking painful and it's hard and it's scary. And there's been days when I wake up and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not crying. I'm just cleaning out my eyes. (laughs) For those of you watching the video, and I truly appreciate it. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your friends. I just think that it's been sort of eye-opening to see myself feel these feelings because sometimes it does feel like a bird's eye view like I'm pulled back from my being and like I, I don't know who this person is I don't know who she's going to become and you guys are witnessing it firsthand with these podcast episodes these these survival guide um, mini series episodes that we're doing because I'm I'm in it I'm in it this is pure raw emotion it is coming through me and there it is completely raw and unfiltered and I think that's the only way for people to not feel alone when they're going through it you know I experienced a lot of firsts this holiday season you know and that's the one thing that people I think steamroll over that they don't even consider when someone dies you're going to experience a lot of firsts and lasts first Christmas without them first birthday without them first you know, uh, special holiday without them. And then you also experience last, the last time you spoke, the last time you ate together, the last time you laughed, the last time you cried, the last time, you know, there was a meaningful word of advice. And we don't know what those lasts are because there's no real timeline to this existence that we have. Death is not on anyone's time schedule. So the first and last are unpredictable. And the one thing, the, the gift in this experience is that you guys can know that. If you're out there and you have a parent, parents who are still alive, know that it will be the last time you talk to them at some point. Know it'll be the last time that you will hug them, that you will have a meal with them. And also know that down the road you will experience firsts without them. That should give you gratitude for the moment. That knowledge should armor you with an open, gracious heart and a heart that is grateful for what you have in front of you today. And it should help you move in a direction that allows you to share gratitude with others around you without a need for a response or a need for love back or a want of acknowledgement or Uh, some sort of martyrship and I gotta google martyrship Nancy's gonna be she's I can hear her martyrship martyr martyrdom close enough you know move in a way that is is not expecting something back and hopefully knowing that these first and lasts are going to occur in everyone's life it'll help you move a little bit more fluidly towards the direction of gratitude And, you know, I experienced a lot of firsts abruptly. You know, I didn't know I was going to lose my mom. She was in the hospital when I was in L.A. And so, you know, a lot of my lasts I couldn't control because I couldn't get to her. And we didn't know how bad it was going to be. But because she was also in a hospital stay, I had some time knowing that it could go not in our favor to consider that these might be the last time I talk to her or hold her hand. That's why I wrote down her favorite things from the previous episode that we did. I forget if it was in the survival guide two or three where I read the list of her favorite things. I wrote that in the hospital because I thought I want to know these things and this might be the last time I get it from her. And that's where I talk about being hyper aware. Who's thinking about that? That's why it's hard for me to sleep at night sometimes. My brain is constantly going. But you know, there was a lot of pain around not knowing what was going to happen and experiencing a lot of those firsts when she was gone, you know, her first birthday without her two weeks after she died and the first Christmas or the first Thanksgiving and the first New Year's, like all those pivotal end of year holidays, brutal, brutal. Because nobody fucking prepares you for that. There's no book how to live without your parents. Maybe there is. I probably should look it up on Amazon. But please, somebody send me a good book. I, 
there's no there's no lesson there's no class or course you can take on knowing how to navigate through those pivotal holidays and moments that are the first ones without your parents being there and I think the one way to do it to survive it and to thrive is to let yourself feel what the fuck you're gonna feel I felt completely reclusive I didn't really want to talk to anybody I told you guys that on Thanksgiving I didn't really want to see anybody but I forced myself to be around everybody and maybe I shouldn't have forced myself maybe I should have honored the fact that I didn't want to fucking see anybody but I didn't I wanted to be there for my sister as well. I'm not martyring myself. I'm only expressing what motivated me to stay down. And the same for Christmas. You know, I I was I was mad. I was mad and frustrated and 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 even though I'm with my sister, it felt really fucking lonely cuz you know, I talked to my mom every single fucking day and and my dad. And that's another thing not just not being able to talk to her you know I I read early on one of those quotes and I think I expressed it on this podcast mini series about one of the hardest things about grief is not being able to talk to the person of whom you're grieving over you know I I want to call my mom about her every day and not being able to hear her voice in a exchange fashion you know obviously I have her voice on this podcast and I have voicemails on my phone saved from all the way through 2018 and now I wish I had saved every voicemail ever that's another thing save everything save voicemails ask them anything you want to know because the knowledge of these first and last milestones surrounding death and grief are so valuable And I've tried not to rack my brain thinking about the last, you know, those last, the last call. I'm pretty sure the last time we spoke before she was sick was on my birthday because two days later she was, sorry, I have to crack my back. Two days later, she was already in the hospital. I kind of remember us FaceTiming. I was in the makeup chair filming my Netflix show. And she FaceTimed me and I wish I could remember what she wore. I wish I could remember our entire conversation. And I, and I'm, for some reason I keep thinking we didn't say, we didn't say I love you that day, but we always said I loved you. And I I don't know why I think we didn't say it that time. Maybe because I'm upset about the fact that I can't remember every single fucking thing. But that's just me being hard on myself. That's I think that's a part of bargaining. I think that's definitely uh, an aspect of bargaining is trying to recover moments and exact conversations, which is grueling and unnecessary and really self-destructive, again, with the awareness. I, I wish I could remember the last movie her and I watched together and the last time we had lunch and the last time we would we cried which honestly happened every time we were together when I was with her whenever I came home to visit we laughed cried we watched movies we went to Marshall's and went to Panera for lunch afterwards we shopped (laughs) we you know we did everything and and that's I think one of the reasons why I'm able to even be here with you guys and do this sort of type of mini series is because I got so much love because we we literally spent days like they were our lasts. Not in the sense where we're like blowing lines and doing heroin and jumping in the pools with our clothes on. Not like chaos and chaotic, you know, just reckless abandon. But we enjoyed our time together because we always knew time was not something that was guaranteed. And it's a it's it's that's another interesting thing is just to think about time if we want to get real deep and the fact that everything's happening at once is reassuring that means that in another dimension her and I are still together and at another time we will be together so there's so many ways to go about this to level your mind a little bit while you're thinking or trying to 
get through this, you know, the last time we laughed or the, her last word of advice or the last loving moment. Luckily, the greatest gift for me was the fact that I was actually able to see her. That hospital stay, 84 days she was in the hospital in the ICU. And I know that because my sister and I, we just took her caseworker and one of the head nurses of the ICU out for drinks last night at Craftsman Inn in Syracuse in, in Fayetteville. And they knew it. They knew the day. They're like 84 days. And they got to know my mom because, you know, ICU stays are generally not that fat, not that long. And, you know, because of that stay and knowing that the outcome was unknown, it was the unknown that gave us the greatest gift. And which should still give you guys the greatest gift. The unknown is everything because everything is unknown. How the hell we got here? When you're going to die? Where do we go? We don't know any of it. How much time you have left? You don't fucking know. And in that unknowing is the greatest gift. The fact that you don't know is the reason you should be grateful. Because you don't know when it could all fucking go away. So why aren't you appreciative? Oh, life is so hard. I'm not motivated. I can't do it. Really, dude? Really, bitch? Get the fuck over yourself. Realize the gift that is in front of you right now, whether it be your your significant other, your mother, your son, your job, your house. Realize how much you fucking got because it could all be gone and none of it matters if you don't have somebody to share it with. And I was just fortunate to be able to spend a few weeks with my mom and know that the unknown was the only thing I knew. And because of that, I started to think, I got to know what her favorite things are. I got to tell her how proud I am of her and how hard she's fighting and how much I love her. We told each other we loved each other every time we saw each other. Every time I left the fucking house, even if it was just to go to Wegmans for some groceries, I told her I loved her. That's how we lived. We lived grateful and appreciative. She also drove me nuts and had like an arthritic finger that would come at you, especially after she had a couple boxes of wine and she, nee, 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 nee. she always do this thing nee, 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 when she was drinking. I miss all that. I was grateful for all of it, you know, and because of that hospital stay. And that's where you, you really have to look at life through two lenses. And this is something that I've learned through my meditation. Yes, motherfuckers, I meditate. Oh, were you a new age guru asshole? Yeah, I'm the goofy guru. Okay. That's who I am. And I meditate and it helps me. And there's this really great app. They are not a sponsor, but I'm going to shout them out because they've been saving me through this grieving process. It's called (laughs) great, great promo. It's called, oh wow, I really got to get that. That sounds great. It's called Insight Timer. And the two people who I consistently listen to are David G, that's J-I, David J-I, and Glenn Harold. Consistent. Every day. And David G has a meditation called Grievances or Miracles. And you have a choice when you wake up and when you deal with things in life to see it as a grievance or a miracle. That is your choice. It is something you attach to the moment, the day, the event, the person. You do that. So in knowing that you have the power to dictate the gift or the grievance, is everything. And I, without knowing what was going on at the moment of my mom being in the hospital, chose to look at it as a gift and chose to say everything I could say and be as present as I could be. And sure, there were times I was on my phone for a little bit and and yeah, I could get mad at myself about being on my phone or I could be grateful that I was able to see my mom. You know, that first day I got to her, when I had a fly in the middle of my Netflix production and I, I was like a baby in her breast just fell onto her in her hospital room in the ICU and I lost it. I was just completely sobbing in her chest and she said, baby girl, it's okay. It's okay. We are so fortunate, baby girl. I love you. We are so fortunate and everything is okay. 
Most people don't even get that. They don't get that from their mother. And it was such an interesting moment because it was we we've had so many sweet moments between each other. And obviously, she's my mom. She's cared for me and loved me my entire life. But this was a new moment. It was a pivotal moment in both of our lives. And I felt like a baby, and she felt like my mom. And she was letting me know that no matter what, her love is always here, and I will be okay. I can, like, feel her telling me to stop crying. <laughs> like, God, Jesus, will you stop? But I get to, I got to have that moment with her. I was able to hold her hand for the last time. I was able to tell her I loved her for the last time. We did laugh in the ICU for the last time. I was able to have so many laughs with her. Most people don't get. Most people don't even realize that's that, that that's even a thing to fucking consider. And I got so many with her because of her stay in that hospital. And because of her being there for so long. You know... It didn't make it easier. It made it less hard. Does that make any sense? (laughs) It's not that it made it any easier. It filled me with love. It made me feel that this wasn't in vain. And everything that was going on, even though I had no control over the moments we were spiraling towards and not knowing we were going to lose her, I still knew that I needed to be present in the moment and appreciative and grateful. And I, and I tried to be as much as possible. And I also tried to show up for work and do what I was born to do. I mean, can you fucking believe that? The night before my father passes, I'm scheduled to film the show for E and you know, in the middle of filming one of the biggest shows of my career for Netflix, my mother gets sick. It's like, I, of all people, could be like, what the fuck did I do in my past life to deserve this? But I don't think like that. To deserve what? Amazing parents that I, lo- that I ended up losing? Yeah, we all lose our fucking parents. We need to be more comfortable with loss. The more comfortable you get with loss, the more gratitude you will have in your life. Guaranteed. 100%. And I've learned that from great people. I've learned that from great people. Breck Costin, my my therapist slash slash life coach coach <laughs> my life coach slash therapist oh, fuck it what are words he taught me you know the most important relationship you can have is with loss because it's something you experience every day and it is the only guaranteed in life that you will experience loss you can't fucking fight it and on christmas we felt a huge loss of course we did Both of our parents are gone. And we could have wallowed over it. And we did a little bit. My sister and I both had moments where we were sobbing and swearing to the heavens and saying how fucking unfair it was and why not this person. And of course we had those moments. But we also chose to have the other moments where we're laughing and reminiscing. I decided to play some videos. I fortunately took so many videos of my parents and here are a couple of my favorites that I think you guys will appreciate and if you're listening to the podcast you can watch the videos on the YouTube video on the YouTube page if you want to see those if you're listening to just the audio version of this podcast but I decided to listen to videos and, and we laughed and we got a little sad and we also felt fortunate that we had parents that we loved and still love. You know, and we also went over to one of my mom's best friend's house, Audrey. Shout out to Audrey, who's just an amazing human being and has really filled in a big place in our hearts where we needed it and when we needed it. And we reminisced with her about my mom and she told us stories about our mom we never knew. Things about our, we learned about our mom posthumously. I'm going to make sure I'm saying that word right. I feel, I just, I, she's saying I am, I can feel her saying I did nail that one and it's a word I love, 
Posthumously, yes. Um, I remember a man corrected me once and was like, it's actually posthumous. And I was like, that's so cute. Thank you for mansplaining something wrong to me. I appreciate it. Can you just leave? I, I was able to, we were able to learn about my mom after her death. And that's the other thing you need to realize about death. There are gifts in it. If you leave yourself open, you can receive all these beautiful gifts. There's, there's so much to experience with your parents and with your loved ones after they die. You just have to keep your mind, your heart, and your soul and your eyes open to it. And I've been reading a little bit. The next mini-series we do, I'm going to try and get the author. Hopefully she's available. I've been reading this book, Signs, The Secret Language, Language of the Universe, written by a medium. You have to be open to that shit. And let me tell you, there's so many coincidences in this book that remind me of my mother. It is jarring. So I'm like, I have to hit up this author and see if she'll do the podcast. If not, we'll, we'll make it a book review and you know I'll let you know what I learned from it and the signs that I felt that came from this book that I experienced personally. But you know, you have to stay open and keep your heart open. To, if you want to continue to have a relationship with your loved ones after they die, which you totally can. It sounds crazy, but you totally can. Not like you can fuck your husband who died, but hey, maybe you can. You know, I've heard of that. Was it phantomphilia? There's all these words that I'm saying that I'm probably saying wrong. It's like people who are in love with ghosts. I think that's what it's called, where you can actually bone, excuse me, bone a ghost. Something like that. I think it's where you can like, you know, these women that are on like TLC, they're like, I got fucked by a ghost last night. You know, live your truth. But I'm saying you can have a relationship with your loved ones beyond their physical presence in your life. It's very real. I can hear my mom talking to me. Not like you can hear a song from a radio or, or like you guys can hear me on this podcast. It's a, a a sound you can hear through your soul. And that sounds really cheesy. I realize it. But believe me, I am a skeptic, but I'm a skeptic with a huge open mind. And I know that I can hear my mom through my soul. I can feel her in my being. And it could be the weed and some of the tequila, but I think it's mainly my open mind and my open heart. And I've learned so much in this process and I haven't gotten it right. But again, it's not about right or wrong. It's my it's my process. And the few things that I've learned since I saw you guys in the beginning of December with episode four of this mini series, this being episode five, some advice I can give you guys for processing the grief. If you can hear children screaming in the background, please excuse me. I'm in a household filled with demons. The one word of advice is to visit their friends, talk with their friends, and you will discover things about your loved ones, your parents, you never knew. Like my, we went over to Audrey's and one of her friends said that, yeah, he used to go over and get weed for my mom and weed that my mom got for me. My mom was just dealing weed. And he said, yeah, she used to call herself Giselle. My mom was over here dealing ganja from the North side, calling herself Giselle. My sister and I, we lost it. We're like, what? (laughs) Mom called herself Giselle, which is just hilarious. And we never would have known that had we not visited my mother's friend, Audrey. So I think it's important to connect with their siblings and their friends and people in their life because you will discover things about them. And also another word of advice, go to places they enjoyed going to. Visit places they enjoyed and also visit places they always said they wanted to visit. That's a way to carry them with you and a way to to continue your relationship with them. I also think another word of advice to do activities they love to do. If your parents love to hike, my mom never loved to hike. Are you kidding me? She's like, well, yeah, I'll hike. And then she'll open up the box of wine, drink boxed wine. I listen to Fleetwood Mac radio. I'll drink wine and listen to Fleetwood Mac radio to connect with my mom. I will go to Marshall's to connect with my mom while I'm side eyeing other bitches with their moms. Yes, I will be. Who the fuck is she and why does she get to be here? But I'm still there connecting with no pants nance. Don't hate the player. Hate the grief game. Another word of advice, which I got from my dear friend, Arden Marine, my new dear friend, my orphan bestie. She said that she found peace in wearing her mother's pajamas. 
And so I actually, one of the visits over to my mom's house, I will be going over there after this recording. Um, we have to go in small doses because it's a lot. I got some of her clothing and I have this like shirt that she used to paint in. And there's all, I, I just, I love this shirt so much. There's all these like paint marks all over it, which is so anti-Nancy. Can you see all the like the little stains and there's like bleach splatter marks? She couldn't stand a stain. So the fact that she had this jacket, the shirt that she probably wore specifically when she was doing crafts, really to me, you know, it just let me know that, oh, she didn't mind getting splattered in this shirt. So this is a special little shirt that she would wear when she would do her little fucking arts and crafts. I also got some other shirts and things that I gave her as gifts. I got this like, look at this. (laughs) It's like a, I think it's, it reminds me of a woman who tells fortunes and reads tarot cards. It's like a house coat, a really soft little house coat. And I, I've, I don't remember her wearing this ever, but it was in the closet and it smells just like her. Oh God. The smell is such a crazy, it, it plays a crazy trick on you. But then again, maybe it's not a trick. It transports you. You know, I could like feel my mom sniffing her clothes and then I feel like a fucking weirdo. Like Chris Hansen's going to walk in with the sweet tea and arrest me for sniffing women's clothing. So that's one word of advice. Wear their clothes. As weird as it sounds, it's a way to connect with them. And the more you can connect with them through this process and realize you're not alone, the the healthier it'll be. Not easier, the healthier. Another word of advice, which we kind of covered, shop from their stores. You know, there's this place that my mom used to shop from all the time. I have to show it to you. I got magazines from it. She got some magazines delivered after she died. Um, I'm wearing a couple of the rings. It's this magazine. It's called Sundance. I think it's Robert Redford's company. My sister told me that Robert Redford owns it. And I kind of remember hearing that. I don't know if you guys can confirm or deny. I will put the link to the shop in my um, podcast notes, along with the link to the book and a couple other things. But she would always shop from this for usually for her and I for Christmas, but for herself as well. But she would get us a lot of gifts from here. There's, there's some really cute shit in here. There's also some shit where you're like, okay, did you make, did you get stoned and then just knit a bunch of doilies together and turn them into gloves? But there's a lot of really cute shit in here. And I, I honestly love every single thing more so now because she's gone and I appreciate it more. But our thing from this magazine that we love. I, I this is like there's a few things in life where I look at and I think of my mom. This magazine is one of them. This is like so it's like Sundance Nance. You no pants Sundance Nance. This is so my mom. Our thing, it was our thing. We would buy matching rings. And this ring right here, I'm just turning one around. I have a ring right here that her and I both had. And it's a rainbow moonstone that was our stone that we shared together. There's another ring there um, because her jewelry is something that is so special to me. Her and I had this ring together. This is mine. And she ended up losing hers. She lost it one day. And I remember being so devastated about it. And then we ended up buying a couple more rings. So we have a few matching rings that we got from this magazine. And it's just so special. I know it's such a small thing, the ring. But the No Pants Sundance Nance really it's 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 a strong moment in this whole process and it's helped me and i've i literally have leafed i don't know what you call this like dog-eared so many pages in this magazine they're about to get a huge grief shopping uh request from jesse may peluso pitt watch out sundance i'm coming for all of your inventory um the other word of advice and the last word of advice for this episode will be to organize some photos, get some photos organized, surround yourself with them. It will be hard and you can turn the photos down when it's a little bit too hard, but at least have them there as an option because forgetting them won't help you heal. Forgetting them and purposely forgetting them is just an avoidance tactic. Like I said, you need reprieve from grieving, but you have to recognize the difference between reprieving a break and avoidance. So 
as long as you can be honest with yourself, do that. Do that. Put some photos up and, you know, read some books that'll open your heart and your mind. Read some book about, read some books about signs. And, um, there's, there's, you know, so many things to read that can open your mind about this process. And it's just honestly, it's such a unique experience that you never know what you're going to get. It's like life literally is like a box of chocolates and so is death. If life is a box of chocolates, death is a box of wine and you just got to crack it open and take a sip and see, see what she's got, you know, see how she opens up. And you know, the, the other book I have, which is the continuation of our question. I couldn't believe I found this book after we started this mini series is a children's book. Where do people go when they die? Which is what I've continued to ask you guys when we do these mini series. And I will read a couple from people who have sent me responses. But this book, it also, first of all, it looks like somebody got really like high on acid and did the illustrations. It's, um, it's, a, it's an association of the Jewish Library's notable children's book. So I guess this is a Jewish book, which, you know, could fall into your beliefs or not. Um, it's just funny. Where do people go when they die? I asked my father. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but they are buried in the ground. I said buried. Who says buried? They're buried in the ground and become a part of the earth and nature, which is kind of brutal. Like, okay, well, your mom's a worm now. Where do people go when they die? I asked my mother. They go to heaven, a place of peace. And they watch from over us from there, which is also kind of creepy just to think of like a big mom or dad in the clouds looking down on you it's kind of invasive and not you know not as ethereal as I'd like it to be where do people go when they die I asked my grandfather I like how I said I'm like we're not reading the book but I am because I haven't read it yet they go into our memories and our stories about them they become a part of our minds they become the past damn grandpa lay off the bourbon Jesus he's like they're in the past your mom's gone she's in your memories bye where do people go when they die? I asked my aunt. This is me. They go into our hearts. They are with us when we cry and when we laugh. They are with us as we grow up and grow old, and they make our hearts strong. Uh, aunt Janet's a stoner. Keep her away from the kids. <laughs> We're going to read the book. Fuck it. Where do people go when they die? I asked my teacher. They live on in their children their students, their friends, and all the people whom they loved and cared about. They become the future. See, that's that's basically what I've been saying. That's funny. I've kind of been saying everything about what mom and dad and grandpa, the, the curmudgeon and the high aunt and the teacher have been saying. They become a part of everything, essentially. Where do people go when they die? I asked myself. They go to God, who is everywhere. Holy hell, who left the edible jar open? Little Timmy fucking got into it hardcore. Look at him. He's like, they go to God who is everywhere. Six years old. He got the wrong cookies. Put a lock on the cookie jar, mom. Holy hell. In heaven and on earth, in our minds and in our hearts, in the past and in the future, in each of us who remembers them always. This is a really beautifully written book about death. Congratulations, Mindy. Mindy Avra Portnoy and illustrations by Shelley O'Haas, who obviously was on O Acid. I this has blown my expectations. I'm sorry that I doubted you. And thank you for actually equating death to it being all encompassing, because it is. I I want to tell you guys a story, a quick story before we go. I was during the holidays as I would do, feeling reclusive, I'd come up in the room. This is a room I'm in in my sister's guest. This is a guest room. And I'd lock the door because I wouldn't want the kids to come in. And I just, I didn't think about it this time. I came up because I was just so upset and feeling sad. I think it was actually on Christmas, Christmas Day Eve. And I, I forgot to lock the door. And I came in and I laid down on the bed and I was watching TV just trying to escape in. The kids came in. They knocked. I've taught them to knock because I run a tight fucking ship here. Don't you think you can just come in here? Also because I have weed everywhere and I don't want their little sticky fingers on the wrong candy. 
I, <laughs> they, <laughs> they came in and I honestly, I was like, guys, I don't want you in here. And I told them to leave. And I said, I was sad. And, you know, they're aware of mommy and I crying every so often because they understand that mammy is gone, you know, and they, they repeat what we've said about it. You know, where do people go when they die? You, you have a somewhat of a script. I'm like, they're in the yard. I'm just literal. I'm like the grandpa. I'm like, they're in the path. They're never coming back. Give me the scotch. I, you know, I told Elliot I was sad and that I missed Mammy. And I was laying on the edge of the bed. And Elliot said, well, if you miss Mammy, you can look at this. And he pointed to the little Christmas tree that was from my mom's house. And he said, you can look at this and think of Mammy. And then he pointed to the wreath that's over the bed. He's like, if you miss Mammy, you can look at that and think of her. And if you miss Mammy, you can look at the bells, which I made a big deal about all the bells in this room being special. He said, you can look at the bells and think of Mammy, you know? And I started to cry because I thought it was just so beautiful that he remembered how important all her stuff was. And the reason that we put the stuff in this room was to think of her and that he said that. And I started crying, and then Elliot started singing Christmas carols. He started walking around the room. Elliot, who was four, and Karina, who was three, Elliot started singing Christmas carols and walking around the room and then improvising songs about my mom to cheer me up. And he said this to me. He said, you just need to look around and remember that Mammy is everywhere. She's all around you. Four years old. He said this to me and I was bawling my eyes out. When I tell you I was bawling my eyes out and Elliot said, she's crying. And at this point, Karina was next to me and I, I was crying and Elliot said, why are you crying? Which I was like, kid, you just, don't you, aren't you listening to yourself? Why am I crying? Do you know what you just did? He's like, why are you crying? And I said, because I miss Mammy. And then he hugged me and Karina hugged me. These little teeny people, these new people, this three and four year old with the emotional depth of a choir of fucking angels embracing me. I'm like (laughs) 38 year old stoned grieving woman that these two little children are holding. And Elliot continued to sing. And he started to improvise a song about my mom and how she's everywhere. And I just have to look around and look at her things and know that she hasn't gone anywhere and she's still here. And I cried in Karina's lap, this little three-year-old girl. I put my head in her fucking lap and she held me. She held me. She pet my head. And I let that little bitch hold me. A three-year-old. I felt like a fucking baby. It was magical. It was magical. It truly was. And Elliot got up and he started to go, let's grab everything that reminds her of Mammy and put it in front of her so she knows she's surrounded by her. Four years old. So Karina grabs the picture next to my bed that's of my mom and I, which I just, I got to grab it now. Hold on. Let me grab it. Where is it? Oh, I put it in here. Hold on. I got it. Sorry, guys. I should have had it ready for you. She grabs this photo that's next to my bed right here of my mom and I dancing. We, this is when we took our road trip to across the country and we found a log and we danced to the song from Dirty Dancing and we did the Dirty Dancing log dance together and Karina grabbed this picture and she pointed to us and she points to me and she goes, you weren't crying here and Mammy isn't crying here. You should think of that. You were happy. You should think of that because Mammy's not sick anymore. Mammy's in heaven. (laughs) I'm like, did you guys get into my edibles? I was fucking floored. And then she said, you could put pictures all around to look at. You could frame all these pictures to look at. And Elliot said, you know, quick, we have to grab everything that reminds her of Mammy and put it on the bed. And that's what they proceeded to do. 
And normally I'm a very anal person. I like things where I like them and I'm very specific, but I was so emotionally distraught that I let them just go around the room and they started grabbing all of my mom's decorations and going, does this remind you of Mammy? And I would say yes. And then he put it on the bed. He went over and grabbed, you know, a, a, a Christmas tree that my mother made. Does this remind you of Mammy? And I said, yeah. And he put it on the bed and Karina would grab something random like a sock. Does this remind you of Grammy, Mammy? And I said, yeah. I let them fill the bed. They literally filled the bed with everything in the room. I mean, everything in the room. A lot of the stuff didn't remind me of Mammy, but their their gesture was just so pure that it ended up reminding me of her because of the love. And they just kept filling my bed. Does this remind you of Mammy? And then Elliot <laughs> grabs my John Stamos bookmark. He goes, does this remind you of Mammy? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that reminds me of Mammy too. <laughs> and they filled my bed with everything in the room. And, you know, just asking me, is this from Mammy's house? Does this remind you of Mammy? And I bawled my eyes out. And it was just so beautiful that they wanted to take care of me. And I texted my sister un- under the heap of belongings picture frames and tchotchkes and candles and bells and plants underneath all of that I texted my sister I said you have to come up here and see what the kids did and I go don't worry it's not bad and she comes in the room and she's like what the hell is going on and I told her through tears what they did and they helped me put it all away because I'm anal retentive I'm like okay I guess we have to put this away now because I'm gonna fucking freak out my OCD is gonna kick in And we put it all away and Elliot puts like one of the last things away and he looks at me and he goes, see, you just needed a good memory. We're having a fun day today. Are we having a fun day today? And I said, yeah, we're having the greatest day. And he asked, did we cheer you up? And I said, yep. I said, yeah, you little fucking demon, you did. (laughs) And I can choose to believe that it just was the repetitive nature of how children learn and them divulging what they've heard us say. And it was just no love or no thought and they just were reacting to what they've learned and they are just little sponges and they do what they've been told. Or I can choose to believe that my mom was there in that moment and she used them as vessels to make me feel less alone, which would be so like her. To use the innocence and pure love of children, her her grandkids, to connect with me. And it fucking worked. It was one of the most beautiful moments I have ever experienced in my fucking life. Besides the moment that John Stamos replied to me on Twitter. This is a fucking close second. This is probably, yeah, this is a second. The Stamos one is first, but this one's a tight second. There's beautiful moments. Stay open to them. And be grateful for the people in your life who are still there. And know that the emptiness is a part of you becoming whole again. Know that the emptiness is not eternal that it's okay to feel empty. It's okay to feel insatiable. And to lean on your friends. And not all moments will bring you down. I've received a lot of amazing gifts. Debbie Della Rosa, my assistant, sent me a beautiful globe with dragonflies in it. And I've gotten many cards and flowers and candy and gifts from some fans and family. Beautiful things. And then... I get this. (laughs) I got this. And then there's this. One of my dear friends sent me a pillow with my mom's face on it. Okay, miracles do happen. You can choose a grievance or a miracle. This is a miracle. This is from my girl, Brittany Furlon, Tommy Lee's wife. This is what Tommy Lee has to deal with day in and day out. This bitch said... I want to send you something special. And, th- and this is what she sent me. 
my mom's face. And my sister and I opened it. And we we lost our minds. Literally, we were laughing and crying like, what the fuck is who said this? And I said to myself, there's only one person I know who's as, as sick in the head as anyone I've ever met in my life that would send this. And it, Brittany came to my mind first. And I just sent her the photo. She was the first one I thought of. I'm like, did you send this to me? And then I decided to FaceTime her because I was crying and laughing simultaneously. I was crying and laughing so hard. And I said, this is the craziest, most beautiful thing anyone's ever sent me. And she said, I just wanted you to be able to talk to her and snuggle her and still be with her. So if you know somebody who's lost somebody who has a sick sense of humor, this could brighten their day because it sure as hell brightened ours. And honestly, I've taken care of this pillow better than the children in this house. So that is either a testament to my love for my mother or a testament to my neglect for children. You be the you be the judge. Grievance are a miracle. It's a fucking miracle, you guys. Life is a miracle and so is death. You just have to be open-minded and see the miracles. And I hope I helped you do that today. I hope you help, I helped you realize that you aren't alone and that through the process you will continually get gifts. I don't know if you're going to be lucky enough to get gifts like this, but you play your cards right and a no pants Sundance Nance could show up on your doorstep. Well, not a photo of my mom unless you want it. Should I put this on my merch page? <laughs> Send me a message. Tell me if I should put this on my merch page. I will put the link for the book signs in the description, the podcast notes. I'll put the link for the Sundance magazine there as well. Also, don't forget to ask, where do you think we go when we die? Don't forget to send me your ideas for that. Email them to comedy at gmail.com and let me know what you think. Um, Tell me what you think, where you think we go when we die, and I could read yours on the podcast. Let's see if we can get a couple here. Um, Kim Kimberly Boya. Did we already read hers? I feel like we read hers, and she told me not to say her name uh, with me at the end of it. Oh, maybe I already read hers. Sorry, guys. Hold on. Here we go. Where do we go or we die? I'm listening to part three of the grief, grief survival guide. And you just mentioned you wanted us to send in our thoughts of where we go when we die. It's a hard concept for me. From the time I was 14 to now I'm 29, I've had a hard relationship with myself and a very hard time in high school with self-harming myself for years and had problems with pills, attempted suicide, five obviously unsuccessful times i've always thought that not being here was better than being here i've always thought that if i did whatever i was going to do not being here would just make the pain go away but since i've graduated and gotten away from the atmosphere and the people that made me feel those things and think those horrible painful thoughts about myself i've come to believe that life is okay and life is meaningful and i've learned even through even though people may die they're never truly gone because i believe when a person dies they go wherever the people who love them need them to go Anyone I've lost I've need that I need to be a, a certain place or just there, always, no matter what. They're always there when I need them to be. So I believe your mom and dad or wherever you and your sister need them to be. They're going to travel with you both everywhere, and they will never be away from you ever. Just like that prayer card you read off as I listened to the podcast. It's a perfect statement, and I hope it brings you comfort and solace. I hope your niece and nephew carry their grandparents with them. in their hearts and I hope your sister as well as you continue to live your lives as strong as you can I love you thank you for keeping me in check even though I have no idea who I am I cannot express what you've done for me keep your head up Jesse May you're stronger than you know damn you Ashley I was trying to end this podcast on a on jokes <laughs> how is it that I always manage to read the ones that correlate with what I talked about in retrospectively which is so strange thank you Ashley and I'm glad you're still with us I don't know I don't think I've read this one before but it really it really landed true to what we spoke about and no pants Sundance Nance thanks you too she's obviously speaking through her grandkids so thank you so much I love you guys you will survive this you will thrive this and just remember you can choose a grievance or a miracle it's your choice 
how are you going to choose today? Have it your way, bitch. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.